Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Hosea in the Old Testament. I'll give you a moment to look that up, and we're going to start a series through this book of the Bible. Man, it's an amazing, amazing book of the Bible. Um, some of you may remember at the, beginning the, at the beginning of the year, I told you about three goals that I felt like the Lord wanted us to focus on this year, and one was to, uh, one was to um, have 2,000 people on Easter, and uh, last weekend we had uh, 2,081 on Easter Sunday, and we're grateful. And we're saying by that we care about worship, that it matters, and the church matters. God made the church for a reason. Worship matters. We need, we're made for worship. We had a goal of um, at least four new adult life groups, and we've started that. We've got some more that will start this year as well. And I love life groups. We're saying by that goal that there's something about small groups, the life change that happens as we get connected. There's a power to that and importance to being connected with others. And of course, studying the Bible is powerful in and of itself. And then the third goal is um, to baptize at least 100 people this year. And we just baptized the 29th person this year. This young lady was baptized. And probably some of you who need to follow in believers' baptism as well. And I just want to, we're saying by that goal, uh, people need the Lord, and they need to know Christ as Savior, and there's something important about that. We don't want to ever forget people need the Lord. We want to reach people who aren't here yet. We want to be outward focused. Some of you undoubtedly need to follow in believer's baptism as well. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Hosea, and uh, we're going to read together there the book of Hosea, chapter 1, and we'll read there really all the way through that chapter and all the way to the first verse of chapter 2. All right, are you ready? Hosea chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, Go and marry a woman of promiscuity, and have children of promiscuity, for the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by, aban by abandoning the Lord. So he went and married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, which means God sows, for in a little while I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel, and on that day I will break the bow of Israel in Jezreel Valley. She conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo-Ruhamah, which means no compassion. For I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. I will not deliver them by bow, sword, or war, or by horses and cavalry. After Gomer had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Lo-Ami which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where they were told, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. And the Judeans and the Israelites will be gathered together, and they will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land. For the day of Jezreel will be great. Call your brothers my people and your sisters compassion. Well, let's note a principle that this incredible story is teaching us, and here it is. We are in danger of abandoning God and His faithful love. God gives us this story because He's reminding us 
we're in danger of abandoning God and his faithful love. And so the Bible tells us in verses 1 and 2, this incredible story, the word comes to uh, this man named Hosea, the prophet, and God speaks to Hosea, and he says these surprising words. Verse 2, go and marry a woman of promiscuity. How's that sound? And have children of promiscuity. Pretty exciting, huh? For the land, here's the reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it. For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Listen, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of man Hosea was growing up. I don't know if he's the kind of guy who you know, pictured I'm gonna, the kind of girl he would marry someday. You know, I don't know if he's that or not. But if he did, I can tell you he wasn't picturing Gomer. Let's tell you that. First of all, just because of the name itself. I mean, are you going to... Gomer is the name. There are some great names in this passage. And some of you who are like, maybe thinking about children one day. Well, Gomer is a... God said, go and marry a woman of promiscuity. So I want you to go find this lady who she's not going to be... She's not been faithful to you. And she's not going to be faithful to you. And she's going to just continue this path of promiscuity. And then have children of promiscuity. You're not going to know who's, if they're your children or not. Is this children of promiscuity? Man, it sounds exciting, huh? Speaking of, I've been married now for, we're in our 41st year now of marriage. And when we got married, you know, we were, we were 21. We met in high school. We were 21 years old. Vicky had just turned 21 a couple of days before we got married. I graduated college early so I could get married. We got married. We we're going to move off to Texas. Then we got married here in Illinois, moving off to Texas to face the world, all the, all the dreams and plans. We didn't know what we didn't know, but all, we just were excited about facing the future together and all that God would have in store for us. And we looked forward to all the blessings and promises and excitement. And, you know, we made a commitment to each other. We said, we're going to, we're going to stay married. We're going to make a commitment to marriage. We're going to honor this. We're going to make this, take this seriously. We're going to be faithful to each other. We're going to make that commitment to each other. Now, I will say, we did not entirely rule out murder. I just want to tell you, that was not entirely ruled out. That's still got some, there's still always a possibility. But we say, we're going to be faithful to each other because that's not like, I didn't grow up saying, oh boy, it'd be just great if you know, marry a wife would just, just leave me, be unfaithful to me. Of course. And yet God said, man, Jose, here's what I want you to do. Go marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity. Well, why? For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Here's, here's what you're going to do, Hosea. You're going to be a living like, illustration, a living example of the principle I want you to get. That there, there's a danger that Israel has been going down this path for a long time of abandoning God and his faithful love. Now, Israel sometimes used for the whole nation, but by the time this story comes along, it's been split really into two nations, in effect, with their own kings, Israel and Judah. And Israel just gone farther down the line of disobedience and idolatry and, and unfaithfulness to God. And Judah, unfortunately, tends to follow behind a little bit, following down that same path. And so the Lord is trying to teach some lessons to Israel and to Judah, and can I just remind you, he didn't just give this for a story for us to learn what happened to them. He, he gives it for us, for you. And God's saying, you listen, you're in danger, just like Israel and just like Judah, you're in danger of abandoning God and his faithful love. Uh, his faithful love. And I want you to see 
that you have the same potential to go down the same path. You could be your own version of Gomer. Your own version of that. Because you say, Jesus is Lord, and don't live like it. And you say, well, I'm not like, I'm not like Israel. Israel was in idolatry, and they're worshiping these idols and stuff. Listen, we have our own forms of idolatry now. Anything we've put before God becomes for us an idol. And so God wants to teach us these lessons. And so he uses this example of marriage. And can I just say a couple of words here? I just want you to know, just kind of generally speaking, uh, God's, God reminds us of his plan for sex. And just it's clear, but it's controversial. God's plan for sex. God created it. God created sex. God. And it's a gift he gives to a husband and wife in marriage. Super clear. Controversial. We live in a generation that says whatever you feel, whatever you think, it doesn't matter, just follow whatever. But God's really clear about it. And he's saying, listen, I want you to see this in your spiritual life as well, though. I want you to see this. Man, I made you. I saved you for something more than what the world has to offer. And you keep looking over at the world and saying, man, that looks like just so great. And that, the grass is greener over there. And that is going to be wonderful. And I'm just telling you, it's not. And listen, you can't change one bit of your past. You can't change one bit of it. But God uses this to help you to see what your future could be, what he wants for you. So let's note three principles together about how we ought to understand faithful love and the lessons that God teaches us through this. And let's note these three together. Number one, faithful love understands consequences. It understands consequences. There are going to be three children, and each of them is used by God to teach us something about the understanding of faithful love. And the first child we, found, we find in verse 3. The Bible says, so he went and married Gomer. And by the way, just like that little phrase is so powerful, so he went. So God, you said, what? I'm supposed to marry a woman of promiscuity and, and then have children of promiscuity? That's a big ask, God. That's a big ask of me to do something this hard and difficult. And you're going to ask me to do something so, so big, so hard, so... But the Bible says in verse 3, so he went. I love that. And you might just note on occasion how important a little phrase can be. That God just wants you to obey him. And you can find, there's a thousand reasons... Hosea could have said a thousand reasons why I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to do what you want me to do, God. But the Bible says, so he went. And he married Gomer. And the Bible says she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, name him Jezreel. Now the word Jezreel means God sows. And it's the name of both a city and a valley in Israel. So it's a, kind of a town in Israel right in the middle of the valley. This valley of Jezreel the name of the town as well. Some events in the Old Testament happen there or around it or people from there do various things. And God is saying, I want you to name this child of all the names. I want you to name the child Jezreel. I want you to name the child, this this boy, God sows. And I'm going to do it for a reason. For a little while, I'll bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day, I'll break the bow of Israel in Jezreel Valley. So he's saying here, learn from two things. Learn first from the harvest. 
and then I want you to learn from history. So he said, learn from the harvest. The, the name itself means God sows. And Jezreel, and the valley of Jezreel for that matter, is surrounded by fields. So there are barley fields and wheat fields and vineyards. And they're learning this principle that the New Testament puts it like this. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So if you sow barley, you're going to have a harvest of barley. And if you sow wheat, there's going to be a harley, harvest of wheat. And if you sow tares, these weeds called tares, you'll have tares. So learn that principle that you're going to reap what you sow. In fact, we have an advantage here because, quite frankly, if you go anywhere east of here, you're just going to see field after field after field of wheat or soybeans or corn. And every time you see those uh, fields, you can be reminded of the high price of food and you can be reminded also of the principle of the harvest that you reap what you sow. So some farmer came along and he wanted wheat, so he planted wheat. Or he wanted corn, so he planted corn. Or he wanted soybeans, so he planted soybeans. And he gets the harvest. You reap the harvest, what you sow, the planting. And God is reminding us of that principle for ourselves as well. Listen, if you, if you don't like the harvest, it is because you've planted the wrong things. Because there are consequences to our actions. So if you're going down a path that's leading somewhere, it's going to, you're going to get somewhere. And if you don't like the end result, if you don't like the consequences, then you better change the path you're on. But a lot of people never figure that out because really it's a part of maturity to learn consequences. We live when we're little as though there are no consequences to our choices. Just do whatever. And our parents are trying to teach us, no, there are always consequences. If you don't get enough sleep, if you don't eat properly... You don't study consequences. They're teaching us that. Well, God is teaching us this principle that there are consequences to the choices you make. And if you don't like the consequences, you're going to have to make some changes because the harvest is that principle. And then it's also we learn from the history because he said, name him Jezreel for a little while I'll bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu. This guy Jehu, and by the way, there's another great name. If you're looking for a good name for your children, Gomer and uh, Jehu and all the rest of them, great choices for you. So Jehu, this guy named Jehu, is a, kind of an interesting story. He's serving, he's actually kind of an underling in the kingdom of this king, super wicked king named Ahab and his wife Jezebel. The name Jezebel is still used just to kind of promote immorality and and the house of Ahab, all the, his sons, all of the people around him, just a long line of wickedness. And Jehu is used to bring judgment, God's judgment, consequences on this guy Ahab and his house. And so, man, he sees the, he sees the principle. Man, you do the wrong things, that's, this is what happens, consequences. You sow wickedness, you're going to reap wickedness. Consequences. And Jehu gets every opportunity to see that. And what does he do when he takes the reins? Right down the same path. Right down the same path. I wish it weren't so. But very often, very often, we follow the same wrong path that we see in others. Very often. It is not unusual to see someone who will have a parent acting in ways that are detrimental and harmful and unproductive and follow that same pattern it's not it's not it's happened plenty of times in history sometimes generation after generation after generation the same struggles they saw in their parents and jehu had every opportunity to learn the lesson of consequence just goes instead he just goes right down the same path well ahab 
stop following the Lord, I'll stop following the Lord. Ahab started worshiping idols, I'll worship idols. Ahab led the wrong way, I'll lead the wrong way. And man, listen, if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself following that same pattern. God loves you so much, he gives you the lessons of history. So he fills the Bible with the lessons of history. The guys who do good, the guys who do bad, and the guys who do a little bit of both. And he's saying to you, in effect, hey, you want to learn something? Instead of just banging your head against the wall and learning the hard way, watch that guy bang his head on the wall, and you'll learn from that lesson. So you can see the lessons of whoever it is, David and Daniel and Joseph and on and on and on. You learn their lessons. And God is saying through this, you have an opportunity to learn about consequences through them. What a great privilege it is. Because faithful love understands this. God, because he loves us. God gives us this lesson because he loves us. Did you realize that? God is telling you this truth of Hosea because he wants you to learn the lesson because of his faithful love. Now, there's a, a second principle I want you to know. Faithful love understands compassion. It understands compassion. So let's go to child number two. The Bible says she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. So now they have a son and a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Lo-Ruhamah, which means no compassion. Man, what a painful name. It's like, I don't know if uh, the like other parents there thought, man, I, you know what, I, I bet old Hosea named I bet he named her no compassion because he doesn't care about her and he doesn't even know if that's his child and you know how Gomer has acted and so maybe he's just saying, I don't even have any compassion. That's not it though. God's the one who named this girl no compassion. And here's why. He said, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. I'll certainly take them away. They're going to face consequences. Verse 7, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah and I will deliver them by the Lord their God, and I, I will not deliver them by bow, sword, or war, or by horses and cavalry. I'm going to deliver them. The day is going to come where they're going to face some consequences, and they're going to go into judgment, and I'm going to, to deliver them, and I'm going to remind them through this of my compassion for them. Let's, let's note a couple things about compassion. First, understand the limits. Israel, man, Israel had every opportunity and over and over again, God showed them compassion. He made them. He called them his own people. He loved them. He cared for them. He provided for them. They were, they were part of the people who uh, came to the promised land. They had all the opportunities and all the blessings. They were given the model of worship. The temple was right there in Jerusalem. And yet, over and over and over, they turned away from God. And finally, God said, okay. All right. If you don't want compassion, then you can have consequences. If you don't want grace, you don't want mercy, then you face the law. And the Lord, who is rich in compassion, said there's a limit. There's a limit to your lifetime, to the opportunities that come for you. And if you say enough times, eventually the Holy Spirit stops convicting. And eventually the Lord allows you to face the consequences instead of the grace and the mercy that he offers notice the opportunities judah is an opportunity i will have compassion on the house of judah they don't deserve compassion either but god is rich in compassion he loved judah even though sometimes they were following the path of israel and often they would unfortunately repeat the same mistakes they saw in their cousins there in israel but god just continued to pour his compassion and love them and 
Give them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Sometimes I just, I listen to old country songs. I mean, who wouldn't, you know? And uh, there's this song, this old song about this woman who's going to leave her man. You know, that is a fairly common theme in country music. And she, she leave, she's going to leave the guy. We don't get all the details about it. The guy's singing the song, and he says to her, he says, uh, I'll leave the lights on in case you ever do get tired of being gone, he said. You, this is why you love country music, lyrics like that that just grip your heart, you know. And she appreciates the sentiment, she says. So he takes it to heart. I'm going to leave the lights on in case you get tired, ever, ever do get tired of being gone. So he said the backyard is like, it's like runway lights. And he said, there's so many lights on, it's like noon in the middle of the night. It's like noon, just in case. This is why country music just stirs you, you know, lyrics like that. You can just understand. But at some point he said, if I ever... And if I ever agree with you that it's over, I'll just start turning lights off one by one. Man. And God's saying, man, I've, just, I've got such compassion for you, Israel. Judah, man, just such compassion for you. And yet over and over and over you say no, and over and over you turn away, and over and over. And you keep saying, man, that is so much. The grass is greener there. And, man, I, wanna, I, want, I know what God says, but. I know what the Bible teaches, however. And, we, I, and I just... Run from God over and over. Ignore God over and over. Go my own way over and over. Say no to God. And at some point I find those consequences instead of compassion. Don't waste. Don't waste your opportunities. Can I just urge you? Don't waste your opportunities. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, don't waste that opportunity. If God's stirring in your heart, don't waste that opportunity. This day never comes again. It never comes again. You can't change one thing about your past, but God reminds you of the past so that you can change your future. And you can experience God's love, God's grace, God's compassion, God's forgiveness. Did you know God can do that? Did you know God can forgive out of his great compassion? God cares about you and loves you. He knows all the junk, all the garbage in your past, and yet he stirs within you so that you can experience that compassion. Don't don't waste that opportunity. Principle number three. Faithful love understands connection. It understands connection. And let's go on in the story uh, to verse uh, eight and nine. The Bible says, after Gomer had weaned Lo-Ruhama, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, for you are not my people and I will not be your God. Listen, faithful love is about, it understands connection. So when Vicky and I, sometimes we'll have, though we've been married a long time and we love each other deeply, sometimes we'll have fusses and fights. Maybe you don't do that, married couples. Great, wonderful. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we have fusses and fights. Sometimes it's about, you know, things almost of no consequence at all, but just little things that just happen in life and we can fuss and, and disagree or maybe just have some little frustration with each other. And, and we hate it. We never find ourselves really enjoying that very much because we know it could be better. We know it can be better. And so we put out effort and work because we, we know it can be better. We want something better because we know that God made us for connection. 
And we've had that, and we know what that's like, and so we love that connection. God made us for connection. If marriage is anything, it's connection. God puts us together, and that connection matters. And so, man, it's just, we don't find ourselves enjoying those times when the connection is, is strained. And so we'll work at it and put out some effort because God wants something better for us. And the Bible is saying here, God made us for connection. And he's saying to a nation like Israel, to a people like Israel, I made you to be my people. I called you my people. You were my chosen people. And yet you ran from me and turned from me and went your own way and decided to, to live an unfaithful life, to, to be a nation of promiscuity. And so you become not my people. Some of you know all too well broken family relationships. You know that very well. You have lived it and experienced it. You bring that brokenness into every relationship you have if you're not careful. Good night. Half the country songs are about broken family relationships, I think. They're either about dogs or trucks or broken family relationships. I mean, that's kind of all that, well, all that it's got. And broken family relationships are so common. It's not it's happened many times where I'm at a funeral and there's some tension or problem or brokenness. Sometimes something big happened. Something big happened in the past. And sometimes it was some, no one even remembers exactly what it was. It was something and it just a strain has happened. And so all the way now in the funeral, there's still this tension and there's this pain and there's this brokenness. Some of you know that very well. And can I just remind you, can't, you can't do one thing about your, you can't change one thing about your past. And you can't change anything about another person. You can't change another, not one, did you know that? You can't change other people. You don't have the power to do it, the ability to do it. But there's something you can do about your own life. Can I just say a word about the power of forgiveness? Just a word about it. If you choose not to forgive, and when you, when you forgive someone, you're not saying, hey, what you did wasn't really wrong. Maybe it was. You're not saying when you forgive, you know, I'm really glad you did it after all. No, that's not, not that at all. But you're saying, I don't have to live in bitterness. I don't have to let that unforgiveness fester. And I don't have to live with the anger and animosity that grows. And let me just tell you, if you choose not to forgive, there will be a result of that too. And it will have a tendency to lead to bitterness and animosity and anger. And it will build and build. But you can forgive. Trust, trust is another issue. But just, you can forgive. You can forgive. The Bible says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you in Christ. Did you know that? Just as God forgave you in Christ. You can forgive because God is able to, God forgives you. Man, you ought to be thankful for that, that God forgives. And if you will, the Bible tells us if you'll turn from sin, God will forgive you. God, it's not because you deserve it or because you earned it or because God owes you something and you can choose to forgive and there is a power to that and some of you just, you just needed to hear that because it's, if not, it's just going to eat you and there's a cancer that works deep within you. 
Because family lives are made for connection. And I want you to know that God made you for fellowship with him. If you know Christ as Savior, God saved you for fellowship with him. You're created for fellowship with God. That is broken, that fellowship broken in sin. But in salvation, we are restored to fellowship with God, and he saves you for fellowship with him. So let me urge you to do three things. Worship the Lord. Worship him. There's something powerful about worshiping worshiping the Lord corporately. There's a power to that. But also worship him alone in the privacy of your home or your apartment, in the privacy of your life. Worship the Lord. He is worthy of your worship. Read his word. Find out what God has to say. It's easy to hear what the world wants, what the world says. Listen to God's voice, what God has to say. Spend time with God in prayer. Talk to him in prayer. God loves that. Make your requests known to God, the Bible says. Spend time praising God for who he is, thanking him for what he's done. Pray for other people. Pray for yourself. Confess your sins. Prayer is a powerful tool that God gives to you. And it restores fellowship with him. And God made you for fellowship. Faithful loves understands this connection. Now listen, some of you feel a whole lot like Jezreel or like Lo Rahama or like Lo Ami because of the truth we're told. There's been, in some sense in your life, you've run from God and you face the consequences. You've, you feel like you've just broken every possibility of God ever showing compassion to you. You feel like you've run from God so far or ignored him so long that he would say to you, you're not even my own people, but I want you to know something. There is hope there is hope. There's hope not because you'll be perfect from this point forward and there'll never be another mistake. There is hope not because God is just going to ignore sin as though it doesn't matter, but there is hope. Not because you will live fully faithful but there's hope because God is faithful. God is faithful. Did you notice how verse 10 starts? Yet. That's the word, yet. You're not my people. I'll not be your God yet. And he begins to talk about what's going to happen, about the expansion of the Israelites, about a day when they will be called the sons of the living God. Not my, not, no longer lo-ami, not my people, but sons of the living God. God God's saying, listen, you can come back to me. You can come into my family. You'll be gathered together. He's talking about this single ruler, and I think really a picture of what's going to happen ultimately in the coming of Jesus. Your brothers will be called my people. Your sisters will be called compassion. There's hope because God is faithful. Some of you are like that prodigal son, and you ran from God and went your own way, and you say, I I don't know if God will ever love me, but I'm just telling you God is faithful. Maybe you're not. Maybe you thought the grass was greener. Maybe you've been, spiritually speaking, just a promiscuous life. But God is faithful. Did you know that? And he loves you. Some of you are lost. You need Christ to save you. I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ. Don't try to earn your way to heaven. You won't be able to do that. Religion won't be enough. But Christ loves you so much. He went to the cross and died in your place. Died in your place. And if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin and righteousness, it is so you will be saved, so that today you can give your life to Christ where you trust Him as Savior. And Christian, would you say, man, God, the truth is I've ignored you and run from you, and I call you Lord, but sometimes I live as though you're not Lord, and 
I say I'm a Christian, but sometimes I forget entirely about who you are. I get enamored by the things of this world as though they're going to satisfy, even though I find out time and time again they don't. But today I want to come back. I want to come back. And I want to experience again your compassion and your connection and your love. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? If the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you're a sinner who needs to be saved, would you today give your life to Christ? Would you just acknowledge that you've sinned against God? The Bible tells us we are to to turn from sin. The Bible word is repent. To place our trust, our faith in Christ. Christ died for you, rose from the grave for you. Place your faith in him and receive him as Savior. Ask him to save you, and he will. Would you do that right where you are today? Christian, would you say, Lord, I've got to be honest. I've been a whole lot like Gomer. I made, I made promises, I made vows, I made commitments, but I haven't kept them very well. And you are right in bringing consequences to me, and you are just when, if you would show me no compassion, it would be your justice. If you would, if you would call me not my people, it would be just, but you put in your word that word, yet there is hope. Like the prodigal child, I want to come back to you knowing that you love me still. You love me still. And that you bring back prodigal children all the time because of your faithfulness, even when I'm not. And so today, I want to come back to you. Father, I want to thank you for the power of your word and for this great story. You can just imagine how the heart of Hosea must have just ached at the of the thought of a wife who would just leave. And yet, that's us. We just run from you and forget all about our commitments to you. And, and yet, your love is so faithful. So this day, Lord, we ask you to draw us back to yourself. I'm praying today for people to be saved, to find salvation in Christ. And I'm praying for Christians to come back to you, to say yes, as a prodigal child coming back to the Father, and to find your faithful love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.